Get your pen and paper ready. It's time for another edition of The The Flex. The absolute best fantasy football podcast in existence. I'll say this, not to say that I disagree, but... I disagree. Oh my God. Presented by Broadway Sports. All right. Flexers ready? Welcome in, ladies and germs. Going back to the classic 70s kind of comedy style. My name is Zach Lyons. I'm joined by Rob Greenlaw at Rob on Broadway. I'm joined by Justin Graver at Titans Film Room for now, I guess. Because I hear he's very he was very close to giving up on the Titans earlier this uh, Sunday. Is that what you read on the, in the group chat, Rob? That is what I read. Him and Mike Herndon are out on the Titans. You're getting very close to them. You could throw Mello in on that. Um, I've never been out. I have the most optimistic. You, you, you were like close. <laughs> you said something on Sun on Monday. You're like, oh, this is the kind of game that I kind of wanted, expected, or no, that was mellow. Like I never said anything. Yeah, like that. all that you justices are the same. He speaks for you. You no, speak for him. So that's what not. it is. I believed. I predicted on our podcast. He said that like he didn't feel anything about the Titans is what he did say on Monday. That's right. I am. I have reached a completely apathetic stage. That's what it was. So you might as well just give up on the Titans anymore. But I well, did this, predict a 31-28 victory on our Music City Audible podcast, which was just three points on. Not yeah, even so close. it wasn't right. So here we are. It's the Fantasy Football Podcast. We're not going to talk about the Titans. Well, we will for a little bit on some of these topics. But we are here to talk to you about what you can do to win your fantasy league. That's what we do every week. We're here to let make sure that you guys know that there are certain things that you need to do to stay on top of, to be able by week, I guess 15 now is championship week, week 16, to win it. You got to win it, right? So what we're going to roll through is the big disappointment. What fantasy football players have disappointed us the most? Happy surprises. Who are the little players or teams or or storylines that have pleasantly surprised all of us? And then we have storylines heading into week seven. Backups starting up, which means what backups do you need to be starting this week that uh, are probably going to get you some fantasy points? And then final say, it's going to be a special specific player final say, talking about A.J. Dillon and his worth. And of course, right now, you can start putting in your start and sit questions and we will get to them at the very end. You won't have to worry about it. We're going to let you know who to start, who to sit. I'm trying to find my phone so I can actually uh, share this on my on my Twitter feed. So, uh, you know, it's probably a good thing to try to share. If you are on the Twitter feed, go to the YouTube. Go to the Facebook page. Those are the ones where we can get your chat questions. Because Twitter is a piece of shit. It is a is this bitch who is not letting you comment on videos where the people that are can view it see it. So we can't answer your questions if you're on Twitter. So you need to go to YouTube. You need to go to Facebook, put in those questions. I'm going to go retweet it. Then I want you to leave it. Get it? Retweet, leave. So we can make sure that everybody is getting their fantasy questions answered. As always, we do have a promo code because we are brought to you by BroadwaySportsMedia.com. And you can go to shop.broadwaysportsmedia.com and check out 
all of our merchandise and use code FLEX15 to get 15% off of any merchandise at the Broadway shop. That is shop.broadwaysportsmedia.com. We have everything that you need, all the attire to impress your family, impress your lover, impress anybody in your life. If you need power over someone at your work, you need to display dominance. You buy Broadway Sports Media merchandise and you can emphatically display dominance at your workplace. No more getting bullied. Don't have to worry about it. You are the alpha male or the alpha female. You are the alpha person. That is shop.broadwaysportsmedia.com. Flex 15 15% off. Boys, week six, lots of up and downs. Robert Greenlaw, what is your biggest takeaway from week six before we head into week seven? I I think we forget, or at least I forget every week, the, the impact of bye weeks. And it feels like there's so many guys that are injured on top of bye weeks. Like this coming week is brutal for one of my teams. But between injured reserve or bye weeks, I'm starting like second string guys at every single level. And typically I'm not a guy who, you know, avoids people based on their buys just because I think you should just take good players because more than not, they're going to win out. But man, some of those weeks are going to be in like one of my leagues is going to be an instant loss this week. uh, And with a team that's already been struggling. It was very close for me too. I was in that kind of situation because I was really worried. Like I was picking up Gio Bernard a couple weeks ago just because it's like, I don't think I'm going to have a running back to start on right. week seven. And luckily we'll get into it. Alex Collins and Kenyon Drake and a couple of these other running backs that I kind of held on to for no fucking good reason. <laughs> uh, actually turned out to be a great reason to have them go- head into this week. And I will say this. I think it was Phil Yates on Twitter had said, I see a lot of people bragging about how they don't have any uh, players on by this week. Well, this is the one of the most important fantasy week ever because all the good fantasy players are on by. So what does that say about your drafting strategy? If you're sitting here bragging about, Oh, I don't have any players on by because it's the most important one. It's like, it's like a bevy of them. The Vikings are on by, um, oh, you avoided the Cowboys and the yeah. Chargers and the Bills? <laughs> You're dumb. <laughs> yeah, you you are emphatically dumb if you don't have players on by this week. Graver, week six, came and gone. What is something that you want to take away? There are no good defenses in the NFL this year. I think all the defenses we think are good are going to be torn apart by good offenses because there are tons of good offenses, and right now offense is just beating defense. So I think... Don't be scared of a matchup if you have a good player going against what's supposed to be a good defense because that stuff doesn't matter. Yeah, it really doesn't, right? There's no New England Patriots defense from a couple of years ago. There's no – it's really hard to predict what defense is going to do what because, um, I mean, the Cowboys played the Patriots, right? And the I know the Cowboys aren't a great defense, but – the Patriots offense isn't that great. And you would think they would have matched up pretty well to get you something. And luckily Trevon Diggs did get you an interception. But other than that, New England was going up and down, up and down. So I'm with the you guys. The Panthers are I, supposed to have a good defense and the Vikings yeah. tore them up. The Bills yeah, are the supposed to have the best run defense. Yeah. The only thing that's been repeatable this year is the Bucks run defense. And it's because in part people just aren't running on them because they know they can pass all over them. 
because that right. secondary is so beat up. Yeah. Well, let's yep. get into it because we're talking about defenses, which are a huge disappointment. But let's talk about individual fantasy players that are the big disappointment. Greenlaw, who is your big disappointment this week? My guy is uh, George Kittle. So he was drafted per uh, Fantasy Pros at 26th overall in your fantasy drafts this year. And he has been good enough for tight end 16 on the season. So not even a startable tight end at this point. Uh, he's been tight end 9, 26, 5, 21 in his uh, four weeks. Now he's on IR. Uh, he has been brutal. The The targets have been up the last, the last two games he played. They were 9 and 10. So maybe when he comes back off of IR uh, and there's a quarterback change, I don't, I, who knows if he actually is a consistent tight end one, but so far it's been pretty disappointing from him. And this is a guy you took, I mean, 26 overall, top of the third round. You passed on some really good players for him, and he has been brutal. Like tight end, tight end 16 is like, I don't know, flex. 50 or 60 i'd imagine like that's i think that's that is, being generous yeah that's that's not a good player and that's certainly not a player you wanted at the top of the third round yeah uh tight tight ends have been even wackier more than normal this year and i think george kittle who we all talked about is like travis kelsey first round george kittle darren waller and darren waller's tight end for george kittle's tight end way down there and that's not enough to compensate for where you draft him so it's like it is one of the the worst things right now to be in a mandatory tight end league which if you listen to the podcast you would know that you should never be in a mandatory tight end league your biggest disappointment as far as the tight ends and or george kittle concerned justin graver well, George Kittle and the tight ends in general. I mean, we just had Dawson Knox, who's been like one tight end that we found emerge into tight end startableness, break his hand against the Titans, and he's on bye this week, so going to miss a few weeks. So we're like losing tight ends all over the place. So I just feel very disappointed in us. We told everyone, if you are in a mandatory tight end league, take one of these three guys. And so far, that's not really worked out very well unless you took Kelsey. I mean, even Waller, who's tight end four, has had a couple of good games, but he hasn't been consistent. He hasn't given you that edge at the position that like is the whole point of spending a second or third round pick on a tight end. And you so. could have gotten Dalton Schultz for free, basically. And he's been what tight end four or five or something like that all year. Like his target shares in like 26%. That's, I mean, that's what you wanted from one of these guys. And uh, you're not exactly getting it. Could have had it in the like 15th round. Hey, you could have got him undrafted probably mm-hmm. in a couple of different leagues. Um, Gronk? Gronk hasn't played since week three, yeah. and he's still a top 12 tight end right now. That is a good example of why tight ends should never be mandatory because <laughs> your tight end one doesn't even have to play to be a tight end one technically. And <laughs> so thank you. Thank you for that. Kelsey's not even like tearing it up, and he's going to have you know 200 points more than the next guy. Yeah, let's let's yeah. wait till it happens this week, and we'll see how many more points he's going to have because he'll probably have five hundred. Well, speaking of this week, I'm going to choose a player from this week, and that is Ryan Tannehill, who has decimated almost every fantasy team that I have because I went and got him at the appropriate round, and I am getting just rammed down the rankings, just getting low points, low points, low points every week. 
You're talking about a guy that was supposed to be quarterback 11, which I thought was too low with the addition of Julio Jones and potentially a pass happy running back situation. So there's some more extra yardage right there. And he's quarterback 19. I mean, he is eight spots lower at a probably, I guess you would say, a average kind of buying price or drafting price. And it's just, it's horrible. It's horrible. And the offensive timing's been off. There's reasons for it, right? So there's reasons for it. He's played some pretty good defenses, a little tough schedule fantasy-wise. You're talking about the cards, the 27th um, ranked defense against... um, fantasy quarterbacks then he has seattle which was as a good matchup then you have the colts great matchup and then the jets are the 30th rank and then you have the jags they are they're middle of the road then buffalo was was the best team against fantasy quarterbacks i mean it's been tough for him and it's been tough because nobody can get into an offensive rhythm on this offense it's ridiculous and on top of that they only have 16 explosive pass plays which typically has not been the case since Ryan Tannehill's taken over, and that's a bottom five explosive pass play rate. However, he is about to be due for a rebound these next three weeks, so I'm just holding on to him. Someone has made Patrick Mahomes available in my league of record for a fourth-round pick. I may be able to, you know, I could trade maybe Ryan Tannehill and maybe a fifth or sixth, but I'm going to stick with Ryan Tannehill over Patrick Mahomes. I've made it this far. I'm going to continue to ride it. They play Kansas City, the second worst fantasy team or worst defense against for fantasy quarterbacks. And you have the Colts, which is a top 10 matchup for him, for Ryan Tannehill. And then the Rams are a top 15 matchup for him. I'm going to write it out. I just got to have faith that this Titans offense is going to write the ship. Graver, comments. I think the reason he's so he's struggling to put up statistics this year, fantasy points, is because Derrick Henry has just been so good. Was Derrick Henry have three games with three touchdowns? I mean, how is Tannehill going to throw touchdowns if Henry scores on the ground every time they get near the goal line? I think that it's like the playoff run the Titans had in 2019 where everyone was like, oh, Tannehill's thrown for under 100 yards. But it's like, it's not because he's bad. It's because Henry's just so good. Henry's been amazing this year. So, I mean, the touchdowns might come, but he only has one game this year with more than one passing touchdown, which is... It's been rough. Cut it. That's like his. The only game he was a fantasy starter was his three touchdown game. I think he's close though. He had one to Julio. He just missed against the Bills. He had a couple to AJ early in the season that AJ dropped. I think that they're gonna. The one that was taken off the board when Julio was definitely in bounds. Well, he was out of bounds. He's out of bounds. But uh, yeah, there's there's just been some such. He's either getting killed, passes are being dropped, or he's been off. Like this on Monday night. He was off in the first half, first three quarters. His numbers definitely could have been better. So, so I do think he ends up in the delve of quarterbacks, but he's he's definitely been a disappointment. He's he, George Kittle, and Mike Davis are murdering one of my uh, league leagues of record. Oh, right, that now. sounds brutal, just yep. utterly brutal. I see a lot of people are in on YouTube, so if you're on YouTube, make sure to put in some questions. We're going to get to your sit start questions at the end. Put them into the chat so we can make sure that we answer them. Justin Graver, who is your big disappointment of the season? Mine is Calvin Ridley, who 
I had high hopes for as the wide receiver one in Atlanta's offense. He was drafted as the wide receiver five overall or 19 overall wide receiver five, which is pretty high pick to be spending on a guy who's averaging 14 PPR points per game. Hasn't scored over 20 PPR points per game yet this year, but I think there are way better days ahead. He's averaging over 10 targets a game. His targets have increased in every game that he's played this year. And he's going up against the Dolphins this week, who are allowing the third most points to wide receivers. So I think this is a week where Calvin Ridley finally breaks through. He hasn't scored more than one touchdown, which has kept his fantasy points low. But the targets are there, the volume is there, and the matchup is there this week. So I am sticking with a guy who has disappointed me greatly thus far. And we're nearing that Art Smith offensive explosion, right? It took a little bit for Art Smith's offense to catch on into Tennessee. Granted, it was to Ryan Tannehill, or majority to Ryan Tannehill, but it's a new offense for the most part, and a lot of new players surrounding Matt Ryan. It's not just that Julio Jones is gone. The running backs are completely different, including Corderell Patterson. The tight ends are different. The offensive line is almost completely different. Like, it's a totally different offense for Matt Ryan. And I think you saw the trend start this week in your waiver wires. You probably saw teams go and pick up Matt Ryan. It's because the trajectory of Matt Ryan is about to hit a good, I I think it's going to hit a good fantasy projection. So if he's still on your waivers and you are having quarterback problems like I do with Ryan Tannehill, I went and stashed up Matt Ryan. I also went and picked up Deshaun Watson just in case too. Because you got, just in case, you need to go pick him up. So I that re- I'm more, he was available. I'm praying yeah, he's traded to save my Ryan Tannehill teams. Yeah, I'm morally opposed to adding him to my roster. I feel like it'll just create friction oh, on the team. Okay, well, I mean, please. you know, champion of life crap aside, <laughs> Greenlaw, what do you feel about uh, who are we talking about? Calvin Ridley. Calvin Ridley. I've been bit by him too this year. Um, he was a keeper, so he didn't cost me, you know, that high first round pick, but still. I am encouraged by the targets. Matt Ryan has looked way better the last two games he played. In London, he was throwing the ball deep uh, to to Pitts. So I think it's going to eventually click for these guys. It's not like we haven't seen him before. It's not like he's not getting the targets. So um, I I think he turns it around. Does he end up being that wide receiver, that top five wide receiver we thought going into the season? Probably not. But I do think he probably ends up in the top 12. I think it was a good disappointment. I'm still skeptical of Calvin Ridley, but I think if anybody could turn it around, it is Art Smith in in that offense could turn that around. And I, I think they will. I think they will. I have similar feelings like on uh, Stefan Diggs too. It's like, yeah, they're not producing, but all of the volume is there. Like he's been disappointing to this point until he faced the Titans defense, of course, but disappointing to this point, but the targets are there. You figure they're going to, they're going to figure it out soon. Stuff like that matters. Opportunity always trumps everything else because opportunities show you the trend. You may be able to go buy Calvin Ridley low or Stefan Diggs low. And obviously, probably have some league winning, you know, formations there on your fantasy football team. We're going to move on to happy surprises. And if you guys don't object, I think I'm going to start with my happy surprise. And that's the Las Vegas Raiders. And I know that's going to be, you know, crazy coming off what they've had to deal with John Gruden wise. 
but I don't know if there's been an offense in the NFL this year that has had roughly six players, fantasy players that either have matched where they were supposed to draft or where they were drafted or exceeded where they were supposed to be drafted. You're talking about Derek Carr, who's quarterback 27 coming into the year. That's where he everybody expected him to finish. And he ended up being quarterback 14 currently right now. And then you have Josh Jacobs, who was running back 19 in, in the ADP. Now he's running back 19 currently. So he kind of matches, and that's running back 19 points per game. That matches where he's supposed to be. And then Kenan Drake is running back 38, and he was supposed to be running back 39. Then you have Darren Waller. Yeah, he's not tied in two, which is where he was typically being drafted, but he's tied in four. That's okay. I mean, in the big scheme of things of tight ends, that's all right. Henry Ruggs is wide receiver, currently wide receiver 31, and he was wide receiver 53 coming into the year. And then Hunter Renfro is currently wide receiver 33, and he was wide receiver 84 coming into the year. Here's the thing, is what I like about this team is that even if they're behind, they're going to be passing. Even if they're ahead, they're probably going to be passing. They believe in Derek Carr. Whether it's John Gruden or Rich Passaccia, it does not matter. They believe in Derek Carr. I think a lot of the NFL actually still believes in Derek Carr. I think Darren Waller is still going to be able to inch in that tight end four. But I want to talk about Kenyon Drake just real quick. He was used like crazy this this past week, and he was used like a guy that got paid a pretty big contract for a supposedly backup running back. John Gruden just totally ditched the Kenyon Drake idea and just basically lit money on fire with his usage of Kenyon Drake. I don't think it really hurts Josh Jacobs as much as what we thought it would. I think there are clear defined roles for each running back, and I think Kenyon Drake is a startable he is a startable flex running back or flex player. Six touches. He had six touches. He got he got 19-something points this past he week. Scored two touchdowns. <laughs> yeah. They're going to use him in the red zone, and that's what matters. Yeah. Greenlaw, thoughts on the Raiders? Well, when you were talking about those guys, I was thinking, yeah, but none of them are real league winners. But at the end of the day, like if you're getting what you put in as far as ADP, that's that's what you – Asked for so they're the Raiders offense as a whole like I I would love to be rostering Hunter Renfro because his his floor is so high his ceiling is low but his floor is so high you know what you're getting week in and week out from him Derek Carr very similar um Kenyon Drake is a guy I added on waivers this past week yeah he only had six touches but if he's getting those red zone carries or the goal line carries or targets, those are really valuable uh, targets, even though he's only getting six opportunities. I think the emergence of Henry Ruggs has been huge for this offense in terms of Derek Carr's fantasy points and just stretching the field. And Ruggs has missed on a couple, well, really Carr missed on a couple of, of chances to Ruggs too that could have even made his stats look better this year. But I'll hit you with a fun fact. One quarterback has thrown for 300 yards in as many as four games this season. Only one. Derek Marcus Carr. Mariota. Oh. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, Derek Carr has been, has been 
And, you know, at the very beginning, they they talked about him being an MVP, and then he kind of hit this little lull. But they put on an impressive performance against the Denver Broncos, and that's 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 tough to do. Now that uh, that hatred-filled bigots out of the building, they can finally yeah. do some good stuff. <laughs> yeah. Uh, now, Brian Edwards turns into like Randy Moss one time a game, too. Uh, only in the fourth I, quarter. <laughs> yeah, I don't understand why they just think like – they leave him on the bench or whatever. Don't target him at all the whole game. And then once every fourth quarter, he makes some terrific play. And you're like, hey, that guy's still on the team. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's insane because he's still wide receiver 60 something. And then I think he was was even draftable. Like it's right. just wild where he ended up ranking, you know, compared to the opportunities he's given. So Graver, tell us who is your happy surprise. My happy surprise is probably the reason that Cord- uh, that fuck, that Calvin Ridley has been such a disappointment. It is Cordero Patterson. Uh, I've been saying it since the beginning. He's uh, he's going to be a league winner, man. This random Falcons backup running back. That's what I said. That's what he is. I called this. Are we sure he's not a wide receiver? I mean, whatever he is, he's scoring fantasy points. You you play him at running back on your fantasy team, and he's currently the RB ten. Overall, that's total points. He didn't play last week. The Falcons were on a bye. He's RB4 right now by points per game. I don't think there's any way in hell he finishes as an as RB4 or a top five running back this season. His touchdown rate is off the charts, unsustainable, going to crash back down to earth for sure. But I think he is definitely usable as an RB2 or flex option who's going to have spike weeks throughout the year. And so for that reason... I'm in on the surprise it is Cordero Patterson. I scooped him up in a bunch of leagues, and I missed him last week when he was on by. Wait, how do you handle where you put him in? Do you put him in only in the flex, or do you, you know, how, a, how are you handling that? He's my RB two in my league of record because I'd rather start three receivers. I I had Kareem Hunt, who I was sometimes flexing, but now I have to find a new option because Kareem Hunt died. Uh, R.I.P. But I will probably keep Patterson as my RB2 because I have more receiver options than running back options, and I feel like the better way to play fantasy right now unless you somehow have three stud running backs. Someone in my league has James Robinson, Derrick Henry, and Joe Mixon because James Robinson was going so late in drafts that he pulled that off. But if you have a situation like that, flex a running back. But otherwise, I'm trying to flex receivers. Do you you think now's time to trade Patterson? Yeah, if you can get a legit RB2 for him, if you can get like a Joe Mixon or somebody like that for who's an RB1, I think, for Patterson, then like his, this is unsustainable. But if you can't get like a an every week solid starter for him, then just keep writing him, I think. Greenlaw, how unsustainable is it? Because I feel like we talked about this for like the last three weeks of how unsustainable it is for Coderell Patterson to be this good. How, where is the, what's, what is your threshold for unsustainable? Is it one touchdown every week or, you know, what, what is that for, for Patterson? I don't even know if it's that there's so many mouths that can be fed on this offense, whether it's Pitts or Ridley or Davis or Patterson, that's four guys that are going to be, you know, vying for touchdowns. And so far Patterson seems to be vulturing literally everybody. He had what three touchdowns on 30 snaps two weeks ago or three weeks ago, I guess it was, which is like JG was saying, just so unsustainable. I don't know how you keep that up. I don't know how many 
touches he had or snaps he had in London, but he, they seem to he played use a lot a more, but more. he played a yeah. lot more, but Ridley, he had to cause Ridley, right. Was out, so right. Ridley was out. So he's the de facto wide receiver one, I, I guess. Um, and Gage was out too. So I yeah. don't think this is really sustainable. If like JG said, one, I, this guy would be my biggest disappointment if we were, you know, doing some sort of gag because he's hurt so many of my current players, whether it's Pitts, Ridley, or Davis. He's vultured all of them, so he's kind of ticking me off, and I didn't pick him up in any leagues because I thought he was going to be, you know, like a one-week thing. Like, I was like, oh, look at these idiots, you know, spending a waiver wire selection on Patterson. This guy hasn't been good in 10 years. Why would he be good now? Uh, but, yeah, I don't see it being like a every week wide or running back two going forward. But I do think he's probably startable in the flex every week. Uh, but yeah, it, it's it's a guy I would definitely be trying to sell high on, um, be, especially like people have completely forgotten that Mike Davis exists. Maybe the Falcons have too, but I do think he becomes a little bit of a factor going forward, um, especially like this week against the Jets where they have the worst run defense in the NFL. I'd imagine Davis gets a little bit more uh workload than uh, Patterson does. Interesting. So who is your happy surprise, Greenlaw? A guy that I would not have even thought about drafting, uh, Kadarius Tony. Like this whole offseason after he got drafted, it was like problem after problem. He didn't seem to be like a fit with the Giants organization or George, uh, Joe Judge. Like it felt like it was, you know, destined for disaster. And through the first couple weeks, wasn't looking real good. And then everybody on their offense got hurt and it opened the door for Tony to get uh, nine targets two weeks ago and then, or three weeks ago and then 13 targets the following week. And then last week before he got or they, he was hurt in the 13 target game and then they played him last week. And in the first quarter, he had three targets before he left the game for good. So I don't think he plays this week, but he looks insane. He looks like what people thought Tavon, Tavon Austin was going to be coming out of college. This real uh, shifty guy. He's moving before the ball's hands. He's moving at a different speed than defenders. He looks really, really good at the NFL level, which I didn't think was going to be the case because in college, all of his big plays came from, you know, like these wild plays where he's juking out all 11 players on defense. But he's been really good. They're targeting him a ton. So it's not even like a, you know, like a Henry Ruggs or someone who's reliant on the deep pass. He is every uh, every week starter once he's healthy, I think. Do, do we all agree that we probably jumped the gun on just basically demoralizing Stoney Keeley when he brought up? Kadarius Tony, like in one of our first episodes, he asked about Kadarius Tony. We just shat all over him. <laughs> like we just like totally nuked him about Kadarius Tony. So do we owe Stony Keeney apology a uh, Keely an apology? I I think 100. so. 0% he's getting an apology for me. <laughs> Fuck Kadarius Tony. No apologies for me. You guys can apologize all you want, but I am Tony- not apologizing. They are manufacturing touches for him. Maybe it was because everyone was hurt, or maybe it's because they drafted him in the first round. They want to get their first-round explosive player touches in the open field. I think it's the latter, so I agree. I scooped him up in a couple leagues, and I'm anxious for him to be healthy again. 
Don't forget to drop in your fantasy questions for Sit Start into the chat, especially if you're on YouTube and or Facebook because Twitter won't let you because they're bitches. We're going to head into storylines for week seven. Justin, what's your storyline to watch on week seven? My storyline to watch is the much-anticipated Monday Night Football primetime showdown between quarterbacks who are trying to rebuild themselves as potential guys. I don't know. Geno Smith at home versus Jameis Winston. This could be a fun game. I mean, a lot of people are like upset that we have to watch Geno Smith on primetime two weeks in a row, but I actually am a big Geno Smith fan and I love it. (laughs) And I am rooting hard for this guy to like be better than Russell Wilson because that would be just the ultimate NFL chaos. And that would be so much crazy fun if that happens so hopefully not happening so hopefully gino wins the starting job even when russ comes back healthy the seahawks (laughs) ship russ out of town to like the broncos or something and uh gino takes over meanwhile Jameis winston in new orleans hasn't has been pretty up and down i don't know it's some games he looks like he can see again and some games it looks like he never got lasik to begin with so I don't know. The Seahawks are allowing the 11th most points to quarterbacks. Saints are allowing the 12th most. So it's, they're both right up there near the top 10. Could be a, a fun matchup. This is the storyline I'm watching. I mean, I'll, I may watch. Like, am, am I tuned into the storyline where I really cared? No, because Jameis Winston really disappointed me after his uh, explosive MVP-like first week. He's really disappointed me from here on in. And it's really hard for me to get back onto the Jameis 2020 or 2021 MVP campaign. I just kind of, you know, this whole Saints team, I kind of forget they exist. Like week in and week out, I don't even have them on my radar. I own so few shares of any Saints uh, players that they, they there's nothing about them, right? There's no Drew. They'll be on your radar week 10. When it's yeah, well, I mean... You know, that's because of the Titans, not because of the Saints. So, you know, is there a more bland team than the Saints? Like, there's nothing. Washington? The Giants? Maybe, but they have all the drama surrounding them in Washington. Like, you know, the emails and Bruce Allen's and, you know, maybe they trade for Tua. Who knows? So the Vikings are pretty bland. Yeah, but they're good. No, they got a quarterback and a head coach that almost fought each other after winning the other week. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Just something just something about the Saints team makes me it's feel bland. like they're forgettable. What what do you feel about the Saints? And or and or Jameis Winston versus Geno? I Greenlaw. I think I kind of agree on the Saints, but I think it's because they only have one fantasy relevant player, and that's Alvin Kamara. Like literally everybody else you can completely disregard in terms of fantasy. Uh, Jameis is either five touchdowns or four touchdowns or zero touchdowns. That's like been his MO this year is he's throwing for under 200 yards and he's either throwing five touchdowns or, or zero. It's kind of insane what he's doing down there. I don't understand how they're still like with, with the few passing yards, they're not getting Alvin like very many targets in the passing game. And they're, you know, opting to throw to like Traquan Smith or all these random dudes down the field i don't get it i'm surprised sean payton hasn't like figured it out maybe they do after this after just having a bye week but they have been weird i the only reason i'm gonna tune into monday is to one you know ironically root for geno smith and two 
unironically root for uh, Kamara, who's on a couple of my teams. Love it. <laughs> well, while we got you, what is your storyline to watch on week seven? Mine is, and it's week seven and going forward, who starts in San Francisco? Is it Trey Lance or is it Jimmy Garoppolo? Uh Trey Lance was okay in his first game. He wasn't good passing. It was kind of like the Jalen Hurts experience where not a great passing day, but the rushing numbers saved saved his uh, fantasy total. I think that's probably like what the case is going to be going forward is that his passing numbers are going to be okay and his rushing numbers are going to what elevates him to a quarterback one status. And But last week, even before uh, he started, they were talking about how if Jimmy Garoppolo was healthy, he might end up being being the starter. And they just had a bye week. Sounds like Jimmy was limited and Trey did not practice at all. So I would assume Jimmy starts this week, but when both of them are healthy, who starts? I would I don't understand why they would go with Jimmy. You've seen what he can do. You're limited. You just spent what the fourth overall pick on Trey Lance. After trading That's, multiple first rounders. Yeah, like what, three or four first rounders for him? I think that's the guy you have to be all in on going forward because you're you're not going to win with Jimmy Garoppolo. And not that this group is on the hot seat like the coaching staff, but Kyle Shanahan doesn't have a great record as a head coach. At some point they have to, you know, turn things around and start winning games. And your best chance is going to be with Trey Lance. So they're also if, two and three in a division with the Rams and the Cardinals. like Exactly. You're running out of time to turn things around, so I don't understand why they were talking about starting Jimmy when he was maybe healthy with the calf injury, but I think when they're both healthy, it's it's going to be a real question for them, and if they don't start Trey Lance, I'm not sure exactly what they're going to be doing. Yeah. I I don't know. I mean... You think that Trey Lance gives them the best chance to win or to at least get out of the hole that they're in? And and let me say this. What what's your old level in faith in Kyle Shanahan? I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you two questions. Do you think Trey Lance gives them the best chance to finish up with a winning record and maybe sneak in into one of the playoff spots, wild card spots? And two, what's your f- faith level in Kyle Shanahan as a head coach? So I'll start with you, Graver. Answer those questions. I think Trey Lance's running ability just adds an element that Jimmy G can't do for the offense, which therefore gives them a better chance to win on any given week. The same way that like Jalen Hurts like randomly beat the Panthers the other <laughs> a few a couple weeks ago, like just because he's able to scramble. And I I like Kyle Shanahan. I think Kyle Shanahan is one of the most brilliant offensive minds. I do think of the questions about his record. I mean, it's. It's easy to explain away if you try to with like injuries and they went to a Super Bowl, but they lost. So I don't know. I, I still think Shanahan is a great coach. So I don't think he's even close to being on the Do hot seat. Do you think he's a great head coach? He took that's, his team to the Super Bowl. Because that's what I'm asking. I think he's is probably he great as a head, head coach? coach. Yeah, I think he's probably yeah. fine. I think your answer is going to be if you fired him, how many teams would be lining up to hire him? And I think it would be like half the league would be lining up to hire him. I think if he had gotten Matthew Stafford like he wanted to and tried to this offseason, the Rams would be potentially two and three and the Niners would be five and one right now. Or if, you know, the they had been smart and uh, signed Tom Brady 
last offseason instead of sticking with Jimmy G because that story came out, which was wild to read that they watched tape on both of them and thought, eh, he's a marginal upgrade. I'm, I'm not so sure we need to go get that guy. That's I cannot great. wait to read that book, by the way. I have not bought it, but I want to read that book that that is from. My storyline to watch is everything about the Cleveland Browns. What a shit show that is going on over there. Will Odell Beckham be traded here soon? How is Baker Mayfield even playing football with torn labrum, which they said was partially torn just a few He's weeks out this ago. week. Oh, is he? Yep, Case it's the Case Keenum show. Oh, I didn't even know that happened. Well, crap. Well, now you got to watch Case Keenum on Thursday night, and they played the Denver Broncos. It happened then, 30 minutes before our taping. We no had to redo all our graphics. It was fucking bullshit. Yeah, no Nick Chubb, no Kareem Hunt. If you're choosing the Cleveland Browns to win this game, I don't know what you're smoking. I luckily picked up Dearness Johnson, and I'm hoping that maybe he can produce some points because that's it, right? I mean, maybe Case Keenum makes Odell Beckham relevant because it's a totally different quarterback, and Odell Beckham is Beckham's actually questionable, questionable yeah. with a shoulder. He didn't practice yep. today. Well, who the I fuck do, is playing for I this do team? I think Beckham probably plays. Is Donovan People Jones? Is he playing this week? Because yeah, he was banged he up be. a little bit too. But yeah, the whole whole team is a mess there. Demetric Felton, I think, is maybe worth a speculative ad because he looks electric with the ball in his hands. But I, I just, I wouldn't really want to ha- be in a position to start any of these guys in fantasy football. And to be honest, this is not a game that they can afford to drop in the long run because this isn't like a New York Jets team or a bottom tier NFC team. This is a really good Denver Broncos team that they could be competing for a wild card spot with. This could not have happened at a worse time. I will say this. Kevin Stefanski, when he had COVID, he somehow went crazy as far as his team was prepared to play in that uh, playoffs game and just destroy the Pittsburgh Steelers. Maybe this happens in a weird thing, and they beat the Denver Broncos somehow, but I just don't see it. Fire no up way, your Tim Patrick. I got Broncos D in almost all my leagues. I've been holding on to them. I drafted them mostly for weeks one through three when they were awesome. They've been pretty tough the last three weeks, but now we're back on track, baby, with the Browns. Um, Demetric Felton, for what it's worth, has zero rush attempts this year. He's a running back. He has nine targets in the passing game. He actually Mm -hmm. was like a hybrid running back gadget wide receiver for UCLA. He's a rookie this year. And like his main role in UCLA was the receiving back. So I think that he is definitely worth an ad, especially if some of these wide receivers don't end up playing for Cleveland. But he's also kind of the the obvious guy to take the Kareem Hunt targets, don't you think? Yeah, I think it's going to be – this is something uh, the host on my show said today, but he said – it's it's clear what their roles are. You think you know what their roles are. Ernest Johnson steps into D. Ernest Johnson steps into Nick Chubb role, and Demetri Felton steps into Kareem Hunt role, and you like have an idea at least of how they'll be used. They probably won't be as productive as those guys because they're not those superstars, but uh, at least they'll could get you some fantasy points. The Broncos are have a tough defense though, although they are pretty banged up too. Jared Stillman thinks all the uh, medical teams should be fired because every single team is injured. <laughs> Well, it's it, a shame. it should be. I mean, they're doctors, right? So <laughs> let's get into – we're going to get into backups starting up. So I didn't – this really didn't turn out the way I wanted it to, like backups, starting ups, 
yeah, could have been better. Um, but I'm gonna starting start with, the end start. Starting yes. the end starters was yeah. Uh, we kind of did that last week. I was just trying to spice it up. <laughs> Alex Collins. So Alex Collins has played in two, has had meaningful playing time in 2.5 games now, and he has amassed 45.1 PPR points in that time frame, and that's 18 points per game. And he's going to play Seattle. You know he's going to get the ball because essentially Geno Smith's going to, they're going to try and limit Geno Smith touches. And the Saints somehow are just a 20, they they are pretty good against a run fantasy wise, but you got to break it down in a per game basis because they're all, they're allowing 15.7 points per game. But here's the thing. They get the benefit of the playing the Packers in week one where they just destroyed them. That week probably wouldn't something. happen again. Yeah. yeah. No way. And then in week three, they played the Patriots, which again, that probably doesn't isn't a really good way to judge a fantasy defense's performance against running backs. When they played against the Panthers, the Giants in Washington, you're talking about they gave up to the Panthers to Christian McCaffrey 24.7 points to Saquon Barkley 29.6 points to Antonio Gibson 21.7 points and they are not really great against wide receivers so I don't think they could just stack the box they can't and try to confuse Geno because DK Metcalf Tyler Lockett are still NFL high-end wide receivers I think that Alex Collins is a backup that could continue to start while Carson, Chris Carson's on IR because you really don't know when Chris Carson right now, as of this broadcast, is coming off of that IR because nobody really tells you if it's short-term IR, is it three weeks IR, maybe he can come back. It's a neck injury. That's that's neurological, buds. You got you got nerves all up in your in your neck, so you don't know. What is going to happen with Chris Carson? So you got to continue to start Alex Collins. He's a viable running back too. Anybody? Are got you any worried? About- yeah, I am wondering. Are you worried about the Rashad Penny factor because no. he is Why? coming off of IA? They spent DJ a Dallas. first round pick on this guy, and I find it hard to believe they're just going to let him, you know, dissolve into the ether. I think that they screw. I don't think Rashad Penny is some great talent but i do think that the seahawks screw this up somehow and get him involved more than he should here's what i'll say about rashad penny he dissolved into the ether about three years ago i feel like i mean basically the first year he he oh yeah the instant he was drafted he did yeah i mean when you let chris carson take over the majority of snaps and all that kind of stuff when you're supposed to be a first round draft pick I just don't fear Rashad Penny. I know that everybody wants you to pick up Rashad Penny and all the fantasy people don't want to be anti-Rashad Penny. They don't want to tell you that, hey, don't worry about Rashad Penny. They want to be just in case, just in case Rashad Penny turns out to be something that he has proven not to be. I do not believe in Rashad Penny. I'm not scared of Rashad Penny. Graver, what are your thoughts on Rashad Penny versus Alex Collins? DJ Dallas is the one to worry about stealing touches in the passing game. All right. So nothing. So you have nothing (laughs) constructive to put together. Alex Collins is a great, is a great (laughs) option at 
backup running back who should be a starter in fantasy. 100% agree. All right, Justin Graver, who's your backups starting up? I am throwing into the lineup Ramondre Stevenson. Uh, play the Jets this weekend, who are just awful on every level of defense. So he gets a great matchup here. And he uh, has, uh, sorry, <laughs> the Jets have allowed 15-plus fantasy points to at least one running back on a team in every game this year. I think that that could be him this week. Damian Harris is obviously there and playing, but it looks like Stevenson has stepped into this pass-catching role that uh, previous New England running backs have excelled in, and I think that he's going to continue to get more looks in the passing game, which is more valuable than a carry anyway, in PPR leagues at least. And he just looks really explosive with the ball in his hand, so I think the Patriots are going to keep giving him more opportunities I'm totally in on Ramondre Stevenson against the Jets, and I think he could be a viable RB2 slash flex option in good matchups throughout the season. Greenlaw, can you trust a Patriots running back? No, never. Yeah, I don't think I he can. Especially, he fumbled last week, too, and I think it got him in the doghouse until Damian Harris got injured and then they were forced to put him back in the game. But I do like him. I have him rostered in a couple of leagues because I do think there's – a, you know, a clear lane for him to get some opportunity here. And against the Jets, there's no better news. Yeah, I kind of wish also, I would have... Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, you go ahead. I, I, Earlier I said Mike Davis was playing against the Jets. That is not true. They're playing against the, the Dolphins. Also trash. You can still, you know, think that Mike Davis will produce against them. Yeah. One of those teams uh, beat the Jaguars. That's true. That's true. <laughs> the uh, so I wish I kind of would have went with my gut and kind of benched and stashed away Ramondre Stevenson while I had the chance. So I kind of do regret it. It's kind of like how I felt about Damian Harris last year. I felt like he was someone that you could you know get stashed, and then I just totally ignored the Patriots effect of having that running back that they kind of keep around at the back end of the roster that suddenly halfway through the year just suddenly overtakes everything because it, it kind of happened with Damian Harris on touches and stuff last year. So whoever the running back three is next year for the Patriots, stash him because he's eventually probably going to take over for Ramondi, uh, Ramondre Stevenson next year. So they, they do typically have one guy who, you know, is the only guy who catches passes and one guy who only has rushing attempts. So if, if Stevenson can take that job that James White had and Bolden had the last couple of weeks and stack that in addition to the rushing attempts, there's a chance he's for sure the best running back on that roster. Graver, who is your back? Oh, wait a minute. Where he went? Yeah. Greenlaw, who's your backup starting up? Well, it's kind of two of them, depending on which one does not have COVID. It is Damian, <laughs> Damian Williams and Khalil Herbert. Both of them have been really productive when they've been asked to step in for Montgomery. Uh, Williams was running back 21 two weeks ago, and Herbert was running back, I think, like 11 last week. That's, I mean, that's pretty good. Uh, Herbert, I think, had even two weeks ago, even with Damian Williams, Herbert had 18 touch or 18 rushing attempts. So they like both of the guys. I think that if you were forced to this week, if they're both healthy, 
you could maybe stick one of them at the flex if and one of them at RB2 if you had to. I I would if they're both healthy, I'm gonna start Williams over Herbert. But I do think that if you have to, one both playing both of them is not the worst thing in the world because this this offense, they want to run the ball a lot because they don't trust I don't think they trust uh fields much at all. Yeah, with good reason too. We saw Allen Robinson running wide open all over the place, and he couldn't get him the ball. Yeah, but we we don't know what allegedly there was a safety play. (laughs) We don't know. That's what uh, you know. Buckeye apologists will let you know. Oh, so fired. We had said, or when you had said you would start Damian Williams if both were healthy. Me and Graver are kind of you know. For those that are listening on the podcast, raise our eyebrows because I think that I'm on the point where it's the Khalil Herbert show and then Damon Williams is just playing backup to him. Graver, what are your thoughts? I think, yeah, I think Khalil Herbert's going to get more touches and Damon Williams might have more targets, but if they get in the red zone, they get near the goal line, I feel like Herbert has a better chance of getting the touchdowns and those are more valuable than anything. Yeah, very, very. This odd. is why I would start Damian Williams because two weeks ago, when they were both healthy, I think uh, Williams had 14, car- 14 or 16 carries to Herbert's 18, but Herbert didn't have any targets. Damian had all of them. So, in a PPR league, that's definitely where I'm going to, you know, Who make my decisions on the targets. Do the Bears play this week? Uh, they're on bye, I believe, right? They play. They play the Bucks. So even more reason not to start the the guy who's just rushing the ball. The guy who's going to catch passes out of the backfield is a better option out of the two. Again, this matchup, I, I do agree with that. Yeah, I will say All this right. might be a, a matchup where you, if you don't have the anyone. opportunity, to <laughs> play any of them. Yeah, right. anyone no on the Bears. Bears. Yeah, if maybe maybe Darnell. We're going to go into one last segment before we get in your fantasy questions. Make sure to put in your sit-start questions into the chat. We're going to talk about A.J. Dillon. It, he keeps getting more and more snap counts and more and more target share, even in the passing game and red zone carries and this and that. He's starting to become a viable flex. And let me say this. Aaron Jones... This is how bad running backs are this year. He's still running back like six or eight. He's still top 10 running back in points per game and total fantasy points, but he was RB51, RB2, RB16, RB24, RB23, and RB10. Those aren't astounding numbers. That's how bad running backs are across the board. A lot of that dude is But A.J. Dillon, when it comes down to game script, if the... If the Green Bay Packers jump out ahead, he's getting the majority of the touches, the majority of snaps. He's like a garbage time Blake Bortles of running backs. And they're about to go up against Washington, who has given up top 15 running back one or running back performances for four straight games. Guys, where do you land on A.J. Dillon? Is he rosterable? And on top of that, is he startable? I think he's rosterable. And I think this week... With all these running back injuries and all these bye weeks, I think he is startable, at least as a flex, or if you're really desperate, maybe even as an RB2 this week. Because, like you said, Washington's defense is just so bad. They've been bad all year. They didn't look any better last week against arguably the best quarterback in the league. But 
I'm I Matt LaFleur loves to rotate running backs even when uh, it doesn't make sense to. So he's probably going to keep doing it. Right. And Jamal Williams was rosterable the last couple of years. Right. He and A.J. Dillon's taking the same exact role. So he definitely roster. If you have Aaron Jones, I don't know. You you need to have him if you have Aaron Jones, because if anything happens to him, Dillon's, you know, automatic RB1 material. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I, I think he's. For sure, you have to have him rostered, and he is borderline running back three the past couple of weeks. So uh, this is, especially against this Washington team, I think he's playable. Yeah. All right, well, let's get into the questions. And we do have a few questions. We're going to start off here with Rolando Fortanel. Start one, Waddle, Cooks, or Daryl Williams? And I think I would lean Brandon Cooks but and because they're going up against Indianapolis this week. And I no, think they just that, played Indy. They just played Indy. They're playing Arizona at Arizona. Oh, that's right. Arizona. Oof. Yeah. I think Oof. Waddle. I know Waddle like, didn't have a lot of yards compared to his targets last week, but he was heavily targeted by Tua. We know they have a connection from college. Tua's back. He had two touchdowns. He was using the red zone, even on little like designed. This play is going to Waddle for a touchdown type of plays. I might lean Waddle. I think it's Waddle. Darryl Williams. I mean, the Titans' defense has at least been good against running backs. They've been terrible against receivers, but they've been good against running backs. Yeah, yeah. I think, I, I I think, think it may be Jalen Waddle. Oof, that's I mean, tough. He's he's been like the least electric receiver in football. Basically, they've turned him into Jarvis Landry, which is wild. Jarvis Landry, yes. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's what he's been. It it's crazy. He's having like twelve targets a game, and he's got like fifty yards a game. It's nuts. But he's getting targets everywhere. So in PPR, yeah. that's where you got to go. Sit one, Debo. Jamar Chase, Daryl Williams. I'm assuming Corderell Patterson or Cord what is it, Cordell or Corderell? We don't Cordero. care. Corderell. Fun Patterson. fact. Same he went to school at the same time as Justin Hunter. That's like mm-hmm. how old he is. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, he's an old guy. Half point PPR. I'm sitting Daryl Williams all day. In this group, I'm never sitting Jamar Chase ever in my life. I'm not starting. I'm not sitting Debo either because he's got like 50% target share in that offense. <laughs> yeah. And we just either talk Williams about or Patterson. Patterson. Now, if that's Jarrett Patterson, I'm starting Darrell Williams. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, uh, but I'm assuming that's uh, Cordero. So Daryl only has one L, by the way, Mr. Yeah, Mr. Okay. My 14 or, man or Mr. My 14-man PPR lineup is Kyler, Justin Jefferson, Calvin Ridley, A.J. Brown, T.J. Hawkinson, Antonio Gibson, C.E.H., Tim Patrick, A.J. Green, Jamal Williams, Alex Collins, Khalil Herbert. Who should I trade away for a solid RB? I would probably try to package up right now Hawkinson and maybe Alex Collins. For a running back, too, if you can get one. But 
I that's a that's a tough one to try to figure out where to go. You may be able to go Kyler, sell high on Kyler. If you can try to mm. trick someone into thinking AJ Green is good since he's had four yes. double digit games in the yes. last five. If you can try to, you know, fool someone with that and give him and maybe Jamal Williams, whose usage is shrinking week by week for a solid running back, I would do that. Um but you I gotta do see, it this week. Like this is the week to yeah, make I agree. that trade. I agree. That's I, I would AJ Green is the number one guy you should try to trade. See if anyone will bite on a big name. I also think Jefferson is good trade bait right now because while Jefferson is a solid wide receiver one and will continue to be, he's a name that you don't have to like sell when you're trying to trade him. And I think he's at the peak of what he's going to be this season. He's going to keep being a startable good player, but he's been really good so far. And Kirk Cousins always has like good stretches and then bad stretches. And Kirk Cousins is in a good stretch right now, so. I'd be wary of him continuing to just be as good as he is. He could try to sell high there too. We're heading but into yeah, our last AJ Green first. Don't don't start yeah. off with uh, Jefferson. Start off with AJ Green and some of the you know random running back parts you have. So right. we got a dynasty question for our last one from Matt on YouTube. Dynasty PPR: Michael Pittman, Kadarius Tony, Rondell Moore, or Robert Woods, Chenault, and Mooney. So this must be a trade. Mm-hmm. I think I'm going to stick with Pittman, Tony, and Rondell Moore. I think that Tony, like you guys talked about earlier in the podcast, like Greenlaw specifically, their manufacturing touches that will only continue to go up. Rondell Moore is someone that is going to be involved in the offense as well, talking about manufacturing touches. And Michael Pittman is the undisputed number one wide receiver there in Indianapolis. I like Robert Woods, but with Cooper Cup there, there, you're going to have weeks where he's not scoring a lot of points. Chenault is unreliable, and Mooney yeah. is tied into an offense that has Justin Fields at the helm, and that's just not very good. You got to look at it from a this year and the future perspective, but even doing so, you got to imagine the Giants are either going to get a better head coach or a better quarterback or both within the next couple seasons. I think the Colts are going to keep cycling quarterbacks, so you never know what's going to happen there. And Rondale Moore is going to keep growing into a huge role in the Cardinals' offense. On the other side, I don't trust anything that's happening in Jacksonville, so I don't trust Chenault's development going forward. Same thing in Chicago, and you covered Robert Woods, so I totally agree. Cooper Cup, yep, by the yep. way, is on pace for the most fantasy points by a wide receiver in a single season in NFL history. I'm, I'm here, baby. I'm here for it. I, I wish I had had some uh, shares of him. Yeah, the only thing on this trade on the on the one side is more. I do really, really worry about his durability, and I guess Tony too, just because they're on the smaller side. But I that coaching staff and GM in Indy love Pittman. They're not going to go away from him anytime soon. Tony, right. they clearly have used him a lot more. They're using him a lot while he's available. So, yeah, I think you guys have touched on just opportunity that first three is definitely where I'd go. Like, I think that first three is better now and long-term. Yeah, I agree. Well, that will do it for us. We are the Flex Fantasy Football Podcast. We are brought to you by broadwaysportsmedia.com, www.broadwaysportsmedia.com. You can go to shop.broadwaysportsmedia.com and get 15% off all merchandise using code FLEX15. Softest shirts in America that are made with our logos on them. So you definitely go to the shop, 
My name is Zach Lines. You can follow me on Twitter at FWordsPod. I've been joined by Rob Greenlaw. You can follow him at Rob on Broadway. And of course, Justin Graver. You can follow him at Titans Film Room, all on Twitter. Thank you for turning in, and you've just been flexed. Woo! A Broadway Sports Media Production. Football fans, are you a through-and-through fan of the two-tone blue? Do you enjoy keeping up with the Titans and everything going on around the team? Hey, I'm Easton Freeze, writer and broadcaster covering all things Tennessee Titans and the NFL. And I've got a brand new show that is going to be your new go-to podcast. Following the action on Sundays is fun and easy, but so much happens during the busy work week that you're missing. That's why I'm hosting The Titans 10, twice a week, a quick-hitting show where we run down all the news and information surrounding the Tennessee Titans in around just 10 minutes. We're recapping last week's game, looking ahead to this week's game, talking injury news, roster moves, and listening in on the best sound bites from coaches and players during the week. Join me, Easton Freeze, on the Titans 10 every Tuesday and Friday afternoon at 4 p.m. Central to stay informed and up to date on everything Titans. Subscribe to the Titans 10 podcast feed on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or at broadwaysportsmedia.com. Follow the show at the Titans 10 BSM and me at Easton Freeze on Twitter to get updates and interact with the show. I can't wait to see you there.